I share with you all from uh, the scriptures, and uh, we're going to talk from Romans chapter 9, verse 4. Um, Romans 9, uh, and I said verse 4, part 4, part 4, Romans 9, part 4. L- let's look in this because Paul is showing us how we are to live, how we are to comport ourselves uh, in the midst of paganism, paganism, you have to recognize there's paganism all around us and there's ungodliness all around us and this is how you should live. And so I just want to take up on verse 19 where the, the writer uh, uh, asks a question when he tells us about, he explains to us how the sovereignty of God looks, what that sovereignty is like, what God has a right to do. And, and then our responsibilities are to just walk it out the way God has directed us, but also, also as God has prescribed for us. So he, he says, he asks the question, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? And so those uh, people who are antagonistic against God are always looking for uh, a way to bypass God who are looking for a way to do their own thing. He says, verse 20, Paul makes some statements that have always sort of baffled me in a, in a real sense, and they've caused me to dig deeper into the Word of God to try to find uh, the reality of this Word for me. So Paul answers in a way that many, for many years I could not fully grasp, and perhaps I don't grasp fully now, but I do more so. He said, but indeed, oh man, or hey, you know, we would say, hey boy, what's wrong with you? You know, but indeed, oh man, who are you to reply against God? Who are you to contradict God with your answer? How dare you contradict in such a way? That's what he's saying to him. He says, but indeed, oh man, who are you to reply against God? Amazing question, he asks. And he asks the question, knowing the anticipated answer. He says, will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? You have, you have the right as the potter you have uh, to make from the same lump a, a noble vessel and a, an ignoble vessel. So you would never gripe against the potter. Why are you griping against God? That's what Paul is saying. Verse 22. What if God wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known? Now, the key phrase here is endured with much long suffering. That's the free, the, the free, the, the key phrase here. Endured with much long suffering, the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, 
which he had prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. So Paul, Paul tells us, we look at things the way they are and we gripe against God sometimes. Sometimes even believers say, I just don't know God. I just don't know. Because we have an earthly way of looking at things. And sometimes actually we could safely say we have a diminished way of looking at things. We have sometimes, if I, if you will be kind to me, we have an ignorant way of looking at things. What? Uh, being unaware. Amen. That is ignorance and not aware. We are not aware of the way God does things. And so what he is saying is that God made these vessels. And since God knows the end from the beginning, I like that, uh, that idea, that, that expression, that he knows the end from the beginning. So how does this help us? It helps us to make, quote unquote, sense, godly sense, not natural sense, of all the things that we see around us. And we should know that we have been set apart for glory. Amen. Never forget it. Set apart for glory. No matter how bad things get, we have been set apart for glory. And so he says, he says here, Paul says here, and this language is what I call a school zone. You, if you don't slow down, somebody might get hurt. There might be somebody in the crosswalk. This is a school zone. And so we, you can see it because God knows the end from the beginning. Therefore, when God, God is not informed by what might happen or what is going to happen, he's not informed by that as much as he is his desire for everything. His desire for everything. He's not going to say, oh my goodness, this is going to happen. But what God does, he, ma he makes a thing, he made us, and he places a man in the garden, knowing that this is the way it's going to pan out. But still, he says, I will be able then to show my power. I will be able to bring those, these vessels that I've prepared for glory. I will bring, bring them in by having mercy on them. And those who obstinately, stubbornly refuse to do what I want to, this is what is prepared for them. It's not like God never says, I'm preparing you to go to hell. Never. Never, ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so uh, he says, Paul says, let me read this again without my interruptions. Verse 22, for if God wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with long, much long suffering, much long suffering, gave every opportunity. I'm sorry, I did it again. Uh, with much long suffering, the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction that he might make known the rich and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand for glory. Even us, so we have been prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but of the Gentiles. And so then he says, he shows us how his long suffering works when he is uh, about to die, give his, sin, his body, his life as for the sin of the whole world. In Matthew 23, verses 37 through 39, he shows us us, uh, his heart. It gives us context for those uh, above verses I read. He says, Jerusalem, uh, he came to the Jerusalem and he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, 
the one who kills the prophets. Now listen, Jerusalem, these are his people, and they kill her, uh, the prophets, the people who are prophesying, explaining, the people who are preaching. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. Stoning people that God sent. Now listen, listen at his patience and long-suffering. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Mama, mama hen, country people in here, wave your hand in just a minute. I want to give this too many city slickers. I got, I got to get some city slickers. I keep saying that. Let's, let's go out to dinner, city slickers. Let's go out to dinner. Okay, we, we, uh, my, my mind goes back when a, an animal would approach the, the chicken, the, the hen, the mother hen, on the barnyard. It would, a, a dog would, would you know, growling and running to, uh, to her chicks and to her, uh, she would squat and firstly, she would squat, spread her wings, giving her life for her babies. This is the imagery. This is the imagery. They would run under the wings and stop. If the dog kept, she would leave them knowing that she was going to give her life and attack the dog. Jesus knowing. He says, he's going into Jerusalem to die. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. And he gave his life. And he says to, to Jerusalem, speaking of the Jewish nation, he says, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He is saying you must repent. Without repentance, you can't see this. You can't see the kingdom. Without repentance, you cannot enter the kingdom. That's a message that the world wants us to soften, but we must not. Amen. I remember hearing many years ago, Oral Roberts, Brother Oral Roberts says, whatever we compromise to get, we lose. Verse 25. So we bring in other scriptural witnesses, and so Paul does too. He says, as he says also in Hosea, the prophet Hosea, the preacher Hosea, he says, I will call them my people who were not my people. That's uh, most of us here. There may be a few people of, of Israeli derivation, but... I, I don't think many. He says, and he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people, listen, and her beloved who was not beloved. That's us. <laughs> you may have thought you were all that, but that's us. You know, we were not God's people and we were not lovely. We didn't look good. We weren't beautiful. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. And the, the pain in Paul's heart was that his own people, the people of God, the people God had brought to himself, refused God. And he says, I have constant grief in my heart. I see people who were not God's people. They were not God's seekers. I see them now. They are the people of God, the children of God. But my own people after the flesh refuse, refuse, refuse. Wow, this is amazing. And so then he goes on to talk some more about Hosea. He says, Hosea chapter 2, verse 23, rather. He said, uh, the scripture reads, 
then I will show her for myself in the earth. This is the scripture he was, uh, Paul was referencing. And I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. And he called uh, Lo Ruhama, Lo Hurama, mercy. And then I will say to those who were not my people, Lo Ami, you are my people, Ami. And they shall say, you are my God. And that's who we are. We are here because of the mercy of God. We are people of mercy, vessels of mercy. He, then he brings in, because he wants to convince his Jewish brethren, and he wants to bring in, in verse 27. And let me just pause to say, I am never, ever anti-Semitic. I would be anti-Semitic if I refused to tell the truth. But I am not anti-Semitic at all. As a matter of fact, I see myself and I see us, if we comport ourselves correctly, I want to make every person of Israeli or, if I may say, Jewish derivation, I want to make every one of them jealous. Every one of them who does not know Yeshua, Yeshua, Yeshua that we sing about, I want every one of them, when they see Don Lavelle, I want them to be jealous Hallelujah. You see, I gave, I've given you this example. May I give it to you one more time? Uh, I, I am not jealous if, if some, somebody, you know, comes in and, and uh, uh, hugs one of the sisters too long. I'm not jealous. I, I may think, hey, man, let her go. You know, I may think that. And if, and if he doesn't, I may go up and kind of hit him a little bit, elbow him a little bit. You don't even know it. But now you, when you look, you're going to be looking for my elbows, aren't you? But you know how, you know what I can get jealous? If somebody holds Miss Margaret too long. If somebody holds her too long. And I mean, I've seen it sometime. I remember one time I was, I, I said, I think I need to break this up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, it didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything. I don't, I don't believe it, that the brother did. But I was a little jealous. You know, you see, I can't be jealous for what's not mine. So, when the way we do it, we are enjoying the Jewish people's blessing. And I want them to recognize that we are hugging their blessing. We're embracing what belongs to them. I want them to be jealous. I want them to say, that belonged to me and my people. And I always say to, to brothers and sisters, I want to say it to you one more time, that uh, somebody is saying, well, I am a secular Jew. I said, there's no such thing. There's no such thing. You may be a secular Israeli, but you are not a secular Jew because, because he or she who is a Jew is one inwardly. It's not outwardly. Amen. It's not outward, rather. Verse 20, 27, let me go and talk to you a little bit more. Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel because God's intent is to save Israel. He says, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be safe. Don't you love the mercy of God? In every generation, he has saved a remnant. I just feel like shouting for God. Yes, he has saved a remnant. And you and I are, as it were, caught up in all of this amazing saga. We are part of it. You've got to rejoice in that, to know that God has written you in his book. I'm excited about it. I can't be casual about it. Amazing, amazing. Take your Christianity seriously. Yes. It's not like the old 
football example, three yards in a cloud of dust. That's how they used to play football in many Texas universities and colleges, three yards in a cloud of dust. You know, that's full back up the middle, running back down the side, three yards in a cloud of dust. That's what they said about one of our greatest universities here in Texas. It's three yards in a cloud of dust. What did that mean? They never made a first down. They couldn't win like that. So we don't want Christianity where you can't ever win as it were because you're too busy being tackled. You're too busy thinking something else. He says here, I love this in Isaiah verse 28, he says, for he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And Paul is writing all of this, putting this down in the book of Romans so that somebody will read it and run. Amen. When I read in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14, that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord would cover, one day cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, I said, that was written for me. Hallelujah. What have you read in the word of God? You said, that's for me, except you must be born again. You got, okay, I'm born again. I said, that's all I want. You and I are written in the book. Yes. I can't be cute about it. I can't be casual about it. I am not calm about it. We're in this book. Hallelujah. Verse 29, it says, Paul goes on. He wants to win his people. And so he goes back to the prophets and he tells them what the prophets have said. But, but the crazy thing in the generation where those prophets were prophesying, they were often maltreated. They weren't listened to. They were even sometimes murdered. They were murdered for telling people what God wanted them to know. Yes. And he says, and as Isaiah said before, this is verse 29. He says, unless the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed. This is like a cry from the preacher. Unless the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom. And we would have been made like Gomorrah. If the Lord had not had mercy on us, the Lord of armies, this Lord of Sabaoth, as those who are under the leadership and the protection of Yehovah or Yahweh and maintain his cause in the war, you're part of his army. I'm a part of his army. You're a part of his army. And we want to maintain his cause. Whatever he wants, we want to give it to him. Whether we're afraid, whether we, whatever our emotions are, let's give it to him. Jesus Christ has given us everything. He's given his life for us. He died a death that was not his. He endured pain that was not his to suffer. And he's gone through that. Why? For us. Let's give him whatever he wants. Let's give him whatever he wants. And then Lamentations, I think, brings it around Lamentations 3.22. Lamentations 3.22, he reads, he reads, he says, through the Lord's mercies, we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
so. We won't, we're not going to be like Sodom. We would have been, what, Sodom destroyed by the Lord, raining fire and brimstone on it. And then even Jerusalem is metaphorically called Sodom. You read Revelation chapter 11, verse 8, when everything comes to a conclusion on this earth, this earth program is over. The witnesses are, are described as being killed in Sodom, which is Jerusalem, had become so bad. And you and I can drift. We can drift away when we put our attention too much on worldly things. I, I want to encourage us. I don't want, I'm not ever the p kind of person who does not want you to have enjoyment as you go through life. My father taught us that we should enjoy whatever God gives us. But that doesn't mean that we should enjoy the world, the world system I'm speaking of. That's not what we're to enjoy. I, I don't necessarily think that I am the example, and nor do I want you to follow me in, in the regard I'm about to say. But I have found that some of my greatest moments of enjoyment were, number one, Western movies. <laughs> I was like the Cowboys, not that, well, <laughs> let me leave that alone. I am still in Texas, but I, I, I like Cowboys. I always enjoyed watching the Cowboys. They were just so much my heroes, and, and they rode horses, and I love horses, and, and I, I love those things, and love war movies, and all of those things. Those are my action movies. I love those things. And did I enjoy football and watching a good game of football? I just enjoyed it so much. But now I find those things not, are not as enjoyable as before. You don't feel condemned that you still enjoy them. That's not my, the point of my message. That's not the point of my message. I'm not saying God is going to take away football if you love him. No, I'm not saying that. That is not what I'm saying. But I am saying that I found that as I continue to focus on the Lord in giving him what he wants, I don't have time for those other things that I used to make time for. I'm not saying every single person is called to that like I am. I am not saying that. So if you find that you said, now I can't enjoy it because of that sermon, I shouldn't have gone to church that day. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But Sodom uh, as was destroyed, totally destroyed. Gomorrah was a uh, city in the eastern part of Judah that was destroyed when the Lord rained down that fire and brimstone. And now many uh, archaeologists believe that it's covered by the Dead Sea, a place that was thriving, was covered by the Dead Sea. Why? Because they rejected God. And so Paul writes so beautifully. And at that time, uh, uh, this was the condition of Israel. In verse 30, he says, what shall we say then? So Paul asks the question. He knows the answer, but he asks, what shall we say then? And I want you to ask yourself the question. What shall we say then to all these things? God has blessed us here in this nation beyond. I'm going to say all the peoples of the earth. Amen. There are people who, one country who has more money, but they don't have more blessings. Amen. No country has ever been blessed. 
we have misunderstood those blessings. So many of us have, not all of us. And we have thought those blessings were just for our consumption and we would be consumers of blessings all the time we're here on the earth and then go to heaven and just consume that forever and ever. I don't believe that's what God is after. I believe that God has blessed us so that we would be a blessing to others and evangelize and not, not take dollars to the world, but take righteousness to the world. And we have failed in that in so many regards. Although, although there are people who would say to me, no, pastor, we've sent more missionaries to the world. Yes, but have we taken righteousness? Yes. Did we just build some things and evangelize a few? Yes, but there's greater righteousness. There's a greater move of God that is awaiting you and me. Amen. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith? That's true. But Israel pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. But as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. What would you say if I were to tell you today that many believers in America or the Western world have not done this correctly? What would you say if I were to tell you that? Because they have not sought it by faith. They have sought it by what they thought was right. They have, they have seen somehow a cultural Christianity that is not biblical. So I'm always preaching to say, let's do better. Yeah. I grew up in a house where my, our parents taught us, do better. Yes. Don't follow the crowd. Yeah. Don't do it because the boys down the street are doing it. Yeah. Why? Because daddy believed like God. Yeah. There was something waiting on me at the house yeah. called discipline. There's something waiting on all of us because we don't have to go to the house. We're already at the house because we are the house of God. Yes, amen. And God will discipline us. What was the Jewish problem? They, they figured out what they thought their religion should be, quote unquote. They figured out what they would do for God rather than accept what God had done for them. I see it daily, and sometimes I can't watch television any longer because of what I see. I watch so much of the news, and afterwards I shut it off because my heart breaks. They stumbled at the stumbling stone. Verse 33 says, as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense. What was Israel's problem? They stumbled at that stumbling stone. What is our problem? We stumble at the stumbling stone. Yes. Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense. Yeah. 
I bring to you something that you don't want. How is it that God hardened Pharaoh's heart? How is it? He says, Pharaoh hardened his heart. God hardened his heart. How did God harden his heart? Did God make him mean? No. God required something of him that he was unwilling to do. Come. Has God required something of you that you're unwilling to do? You and I are often too tethered to the world, that world system. Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. This is what God promises you. You will never be dishonored for believing on Jesus. You will never be disgraced. You will never be disgraced. He will not make your shame. You will never be repulsed by God and by that which is holy. God will not bring you to the end and say, goody, goody, gotcha. He won't ever deceive you. I want to thank him for his word. I want to thank you for listening. If there's anybody here, in a a short while I'll come back and we'll we'll, uh, ask you to receive communion with us. And uh, also I'm going to ask, I don't want you to forget, I'm going to ask you to give your life to Jesus if you're here and you don't know Jesus. I want you to give your life to Jesus, okay? I'm, gonna, I'm telling you, if you're online, I want you to give your life to Jesus. We have a wonderful moderator who will lead you to Jesus. She's there. She's led people to Jesus. Yesterday, we had a food pantry, and people, two people came to Jesus. And so we want you to come to Jesus, okay? Bless you.